Are you ready to dive deep into the intersections of technology, law, and business? Catch the Tech Intersect podcast on our new Advantage Evans YouTube channel. Whether you're connecting on the go or binging episodes from the comfort of your home, you'll never miss a moment again. Plus, you'll experience all types of exciting shorts, special events content, breaking news lives and the comprehensive learning series. Subscribe today, hit the bell for notifications, and enjoy podcast videos and more. Use the link or search for Advantage Evans on YouTube to find our channel so you can watch, learn, and engage where Insider meets Impact. See you there. People don't really consider their entire digital footprint. And your digital footprint is any and all of your electronically connected activity. So that's email, that's text message, that's that group chat, that's Twitch, that's Discord, that's YouTube. It's everything that's connected to the internet. Those things all have the potential to get you in trouble if they're not being utilized in a responsible fashion. Welcome to Tech Intersect. I'm your host, Tanya Evans, and my life and work exist at the heart of law, business, and technology. Yeah, I've earned a few fancy titles and degrees over the years, but the bottom line is I'm a writer, speaker, teacher, and lifelong learner, and I'm really excited that you've joined me on this journey. So what is Tech Intersect? Well, it's authentic, empowering conversations with really interesting guests who demystify complex topics to prepare you for the future, because your future is now. And it exists where law, business, and tech intersect. Get ready to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Tech Intersect podcast. And today I am absolutely thrilled to introduce a dynamo, a maven, a dear friend, all the good things in the realm of technology education and communication, Stephanie Humphrey, properly known as Tech Life Steph, which is hype, definitely trademark, so don't come at her for that. And she is not just an author of two essential reads, Don't Let Your Digital Footprint Kick You in the Butt, and Till Death Do You Tweet, but she's also an esteemed technology contributor to major platforms, including Good Morning America. And with her knack for making tech relatable, Steph brings the digital divide across various media, whether it's broadcast, digital, or print. She has been the go-to voice for breaking down the latest in technology, and today, We get a front row seat to her insights. We will talk about all of that and more in a moment. But first, Tech Life Steph, Stephanie, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Look, Dynamo, Maven. I'm receiving all of that right now. (laughs) I receive all the, but I do have to clarify only one book. You know, listen, we can speak two into existence. Don't let your digital footprint kick you in the butt is the book. Till Death Do You Tweet is the seminar presentation Ah. that I do in schools. So uh, Don't Let Your Digital Footprint Kick You in the Butt is the extension of that is the book. And we can talk about kind of how the book came about from Till Death Do You Tweet. Uh, But they are two sort of separate, distinct entities that are related. They, they are cousins. Basically. Yes. yes. <laughs> Actually, I feel like my first course from cash to crypto and my book, Digital Money Demystified, until you said that I hadn't really had a good way to, to marry the two. 
mm-hmm. that's exactly the same. So let's start there. I'm still speaking into existence, what I said. Amen. But let's start there. Share the journey that led you, one, to become Tech Life Steph, but more specifically what you just mentioned, where you started with Till Death Do You Tweet and your actual book. Talk to the people about the book. Yeah, let's talk to them. So Tech Life Steph was born a while ago. I am an engineer by trade and education and training and profession. Got a couple of degrees in engineering. Uh, my undergraduate degree is in electrical engineering from Florida A&M University, FAMU in the building, Rattler for Life, let's go. And then got a master's degree from the University of Pennsylvania and worked as an engineer for a number of years. Was, I won't say perfectly happy, but was comfortable doing that until I wasn't and thought about what I might be able to do and got an opportunity to pursue entertainment, if you will, and acted and modeled and and did a whole bunch of different things that I think all sort of fed into what I eventually became, which was a technology and lifestyle expert. I won't sort of bore everybody with the details of that journey, but suffice it to say that all of that stuff was preparing me for where I eventually ended up, which was as a technology and lifestyle expert and, and a tech journalist. And mm-hmm. basically, you know, what I do now is, is what I've been doing since 2007, which is helping people understand how technology makes their lives easier. And I, and I just happen to be able to be blessed to be able to do that on a variety of different platforms whether it be broadcast, television, print, digital, content creation, books, professional speaking, you know, wherever that is and when wherever I end up doing it, wherever I can kind of be creative enough to think of a, another platform to be able to do that is where I do it. But the mission has always remained the same to help people understand how technology makes their lives easier. Till Death Do You Tweet, though, actually started while I was still an engineer Mm. because I worked for Lockheed Martin. And as you know, they are a government and defense contractor. Mm -hmm. So I really wasn't at liberty to discuss a whole (laughs) lot about what I did for a living. Right. Need to know basis. Yeah, yeah. And I had a lot of friends that were educators that would invite me in for career days. Tell the kids about being an engineer. And what I did wasn't that exciting, anyway, <laughs> even though I couldn't tell you about it. It wasn't super exciting. So I started talking about social media, you know, when I would go into these classrooms and then that's what the kids were doing. Yes. And, you know, social media had just started blossoming and taking off and, you know, MySpace and, and a couple of platforms were starting to get really mm-hmm. popular. So we would have conversations about that. And then, you know, I could talk about at a very high level, you know, kind of what it takes to become an engineer and what kind of classes you got to take and and things like that. But as time went on, more platforms started to emerge and the cyberbullying piece of it started to really impact students in a very negative way to the point where cyber side became a term that we started hearing used in school and educational situations where a student commits suicide because of being bullied online. And I'm just like, wow, okay, so this is a thing that's happening now. And and I don't hear a lot of people talking about it. And so how do I start to address that in these talks? And again, these are still very informal, you know, I'm showing up for career day. So let me try to throw something relevant in what I'm saying to these young people. So that you tweet really hadn't been born just yet, but I still wanted to kind of offer something that they could chew on and, and, and make it relevant. 
But right around, I'd say 2012 or so, I was just like, there might be something to this whole thing. And, you know, let me see what I can do if I can put some structure around this and some marketing and and some monetization and, and all of that. You know, as I'm thinking about what I could say to students that would actually get them to listen because the conversation can't be around don't do that on social media. Don't you go on Facebook and act crazy, you know, because they they not listening to that. So when I finally sort of keyed on the idea of personal brand first, that was the game changer. I mean, that they get so invested in that conversation because it gives them the ownership, right? Now it's like, oh my God, my brand. Is my brand okay? What? What? My uh, my brand, my brand. I mean, they're like shook when it's like, Mm. you know, if you don't handle your brand correctly, this is what could happen. And, you know, and if you do, this is how you could be leveraging your brand. Did you know you could be doing that? So having that conversation has really, really shifted the way we can discuss social media and digital citizenship and, and, and that whole conversation. So yeah, so then Tell Death You Tweet was born, like I said, right around 2012. And since then, I've just been able to talk to just thousands of students and parents and teachers about that idea of digital citizenship and how you can be kind of intentional about your social media usage. And then the book kind of, again, was that natural extension because I had been going into schools for years, right? Years and years and years talking, you know, rocking stages left and right, dropping mics. Yes, I would see your videos. I was like, yes, it's like a concert. Seriously, it just wasn't prepared for the response that I was getting, you know, from these kids and these teachers. And and it's just like, oh my God, this was amazing. I've never seen the kids pay attention like this. And, and, you know, how do you do it? And I'm just like, listen, it ain't me. It's God. He's using me as the vessel. And and I'm just speaking from the heart and, and trying to be as authentic as possible. And, you know, and I care about what I'm saying. So I think that translates, but invariably at the end of the presentation, at the end of the assembly, the teachers or the principal, somebody's like, do you have any additional resources that we could keep to keep this conversation going? Because they're hype right now. We want to keep this momentum. And and I'm like, no. And, you know, <laughs> and then it was like, well, I have this one sheet PDF I could mail you with the highlights of the talk. But then it's just like, okay, but I'm still leaving money on the table, right? Because right. that, and that's not sufficient anyway for, for a whole school's worth of kids that mm-hmm. want to kind of continue to be able to, and, and teachers that may want to fold something into a curriculum or, or, or whatever. So that's where the book was born out of just a desire to want to help the schools extend that conversation past me doing a one-time presentation in a school. And so now they can have till death you tweet in the form of don't let your digital footprint kicking you in the butt. I love that you met students where they were from, as you were speaking, I was thinking, right, it's the influencer culture, whether you're a micro-influencer or getting ready to be, or you're one social media post away from going viral and then what? By the time you need to really have excellent digital hygiene, I mean, we need it every day, but if something really blows up, it's almost like too late to kind of backtrack. You have the bots and the scammers and everybody coming at you and then impersonating you and having that education 
early and often to your point, because it's definitely not one and done. Things evolve, uh, technology evolves so quickly that having the language and the familiarity of kind of like the ABCs of getting into it, but also just the why, not throwing things at young people like just do this because I say so, that didn't work. Well, it kind of worked for Gen Xers, but we were like the last ones. <laughs> After that, it's like, exactly. You might want an explanation and you're kind of co-creating both as certainly as a parent, but also the parent during the day, the teachers, the educators as well. So one, meeting students where they were gets them excited. You show up authentically in what I see of you, like your absolute zone of genius and people naturally respond to that. The final thing that I picked up on what you said is that, oh, by the way, thanks for what you did for the students, but do you have something not only for them to continue, but I imagine you touched and impacted educators and parents. You know, talk to some of the stories about the aha moments that adults in the room were, were having about the information you were, were sharing. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things where parents especially, unfortunately, tend to take a hands-off approach right. to these kinds of things because they assume that because they've labeled these young people digital natives, that that means that they already know everything about what they're doing. And they've, they've sprung fully formed out of the head of Zeus as it relates to technology usage and that they don't need any guidance with respect to these platforms. And they do. They're still children and there's still just an overwhelming amount of information on the internet that their underdeveloped brains cannot handle. So it is our job as adults to help them process the things that they're seeing online, to help them make good decisions about how to regulate and self-regulate how much technology they allow themselves access to, you know, how often they're using it, and, you know, how much time they're spending on their devices. Like we still have to do that part for them or work with them together to do that part for them. And that's the part I think that adults, I don't want to say get wrong, but don't understand, you know, and, and that's the part that I, you know, have to constantly reinforce to parents when I talk to parents is like, your kids still need your help. That's like literally the third slide in my presentation. When I talk to parents, I mean, you know, the first one is like two things to remember. Number one is this. Number two, your kids still need your help. No matter what they say, no matter how blase they try to, you know, act or how like, oh my God, mom, like, okay, enough. I know already. Exactly. <laughs> they still need your help. They still need that structure. They still need that discipline. And they still need to know that they can come to you. Mm. That's the thing, you know, and, and I tell parents all the time, we're at a point right now where the technology almost doesn't even matter. Because the kid is always going to know more than you right. when it comes to the technology. They're always going to be up on the latest platform and the latest dances and the latest trends and the latest slang and the latest whatever. And they're going to be a little bit smarter than you about how to get around whatever sort of controls you try to put in place, whatever kind of password, whatever kind of parental whatever. And even if they can't get around what you put on their phone, all of their friends have phones. Right. The library has a computer. This place down the street has a computer, you know what I mean? So they're going to get to what they want on the internet, no matter what. But what they need to know is that they can come to you. 
regardless. Mm-hmm. Even if they broke the rules and got on a phone they weren't supposed to be on or, or bought a burner phone or whatever they did, they still need to know that at the end of the day, they can come to you. And that mm-hmm. conversation has to be, a, again, a continuous ongoing. Now they need to know that there's consequences, you know, because you got on the phone when I told you you couldn't and, <laughs> and there's a consequence for that. But they still need to know that they can come to you and and have that conversation because when they don't, they start going to people online. That's how that grooming happens. That's how things happen when they think that they can't come to you and now they're turning to people online and you never know who you're dealing with when that happens. Have you ever found yourself puzzled, wondering if cryptocurrency is just a fleeting trend, a scam, or perhaps the future? Hi, I'm Dr. Tanya Evans, and I'm here to introduce you to my new book, Digital Money Demystified, Your Ultimate Guide to Deciphering the Crypto Maze. As a legal policy and crypto education expert, I've crafted this book to cut through the chaos, debunk the myths, and tackle the FUD, that's fear, uncertainty, and doubt. From captivating headlines to meticulously sourced data, I guide you through the promises and the pitfalls of digital assets. With 12 chapters and 10 myths dispelled, Digital Money Demystified is designed for investors, business owners, and professionals eager to navigate the digital economy. It's more than just a book. It's a tool for economic empowerment that directs you safely and confidently from cash to crypto. Say goodbye to bewilderment and hello to enlightenment. Transform from crypto curious to confident, sidestep those scammers and embrace the future of work, wealth, and creativity. Grab your copy of Digital Money Demystified today at the book's companion website, digitalmoneydemystified.com or wherever books are sold. This is the right book, the right voice at the right time. Don't miss out on the digital revolution. Stop by digitalmoneydemystified.com now. That leads me to my next question to help listeners and viewers on YouTube when this goes up to figure out what you mean when you say digital footprint. It encapsulates two words that people think they know the definition of. And then we put it together and it's a really, really important term that I don't think that we hear enough about. So talk to us about digital footprint and what you mean when you use it in your book. Well, I think people need to understand we all, you know, know cancel culture and we know when people slip up on social media and that tweet that got so-and-so in trouble and that snap that got so-and-so in trouble, but people don't really consider their entire digital footprint. And your digital footprint is any and all of your electronically connected activity. So that's email, that's text message, that's that group chat, that's Twitch, that's Discord, that's YouTube. It's everything that's connected to the internet. Mm -hmm. Those things all have the potential to get you in trouble if they're not being utilized in a responsible fashion. I, I use an example in my presentations of a young woman that was here in Philadelphia back during the George Floyd protests. She was, you know, protesting at one point, but then things got out of hand and she like threw a Molotov cocktail at a police car. She never posted anything online on social media, but someone snapped a picture of her doing that and they posted it on their Instagram. They just happened to catch 
her tattoo because she had a mask on. She had a full mask on. You couldn't see her face, but they caught a tattoo on her arm and she had on a very distinct t-shirt that had a, a slogan on it. So based on the tattoo and the slogan, the police were able to track her down via her Etsy, her Poshmark account, and her LinkedIn account to find her and arrest her. When you think about all of the things that you do on the internet on a daily basis, you've created this really, really long digital footprint. And that's not to say that you shouldn't be online, but that's just to say to be mindful of what you're doing and where you show up online and the fact that you are leaving this trail. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step -step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step -step guide to starting your podcast today. And when I think about a digital persona versus our IRL persona and with an increasingly digital world, cameras everywhere, as you've mentioned, people are the new, the new journalism, right? right? Street journalism and the like. And there's so many implications. And sometimes the line can really be blurred or particularly coming out of the pandemic or let's stick with the pandemic, the worst of the pandemic years, your digital persona often was seen, heard from far more than your IRL persona. So it's taken on a whole additional meaning. That's right. And to the extent that maybe you have a completely different life online than in person, that also can catch up with you for jobs, I can imagine as well. What are some of the cautionary tales you hear around the impact of a digital footprint on your real life? I mean, you've given one, but something less than that, but still impacting your job opportunities, for example, or school. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point we can all just presume employers are checking our socials, you know, and just presume that you will be Googled at some point. We can't just assume everybody's doing it, but, but presume that they will. And that's the other side of the coin. Like if you don't have a digital persona, that could actually work against you as well. Because I know, you know, I tend to Google most people that I do business with or you know, I want to check up on them. And if I don't find anything, I'm looking a little side-eyed at that as well. Like, like, and it's a little sus, right? Like, like, why, why aren't you anywhere on the nowhere. internet? Right. Yeah. Like nowhere, like not even LinkedIn, like, come on, like you don't have an old Tumblr page. Like, come on, like where, where are you at? You know what I mean? So there's that balance that you need to strike. But the thing about it is, you know, and the thing that I talk to the kids about is that you have control over this. You get to decide what you put out there and how you want to show up. So you actually get to create that digital footprint and that persona and that personal brand however you want. So you don't need to be reckless and posting nonsense. You can actually create this profile of yourself that when people do Google you, because they will, I promise, 
I absolutely promise that they will. They can find some things that will show you in your best light because employers are going to check. And again, they may wonder why they're not finding things. Colleges, we're we're, we're right around two thirds now, 67%, I think is the latest figure for colleges that are looking because it's very competitive out there now. And you have two candidates on paper that look great. They're going to need something to make that determination at this point. And now they're going to go to the socials. They're going to see who's doing community service, who, mm-hmm. who's doing you know school projects. What else is there out there about you that is going to help them make these decisions? So it's just in everybody's best interest to take a look before you apply, You know, make sure there's nothing out there that's going to hurt you, but also maybe throw a couple posts up there that might help. Right. To balance it out. You know, every once in a while, it's like, you know, let me go through this feed and, and see where we are. Or I like the idea of the thinking before you actually push that send button. I'm ticked off at X. I'm going to call it Twitter forever. I'm not going to get yeah, seriously. <laughs> like, get over yourself, man. But anyway, one of the features that is of interest is that idea of mm, I got 60 seconds. Do I really want to like go there in this moment in time? I think I don't. And it only takes, like, when I tell you, I don't post so much more than I post because I always, always just that beat, that little bit. And if people knew better, like there were articles and, and I'm sure they still do it, but there were articles back in like 2015, 2016, 2017 about meta when they were still calling themselves Facebook, saving keystrokes. Mm. So even if you deleted it, even if you your Twitter fingers were furiously, and then you did say, well, you know what? This probably is not the best. They had already saved the keystrokes. You need to think before you even start typing. Beyond before you post, you need to think before you even start typing. And that's, I think, where we need to get to. We need to get to a point where the mindfulness and the intention is so top of mind that before we even get to the typing part of it, we're like, is this relevant? Is this necessary? Is this kind? Will this add value to the discourse? Or am I just being, you know, reactionary? Am I being inflammatory? Am I being contrary for contrary's sake? Do I just want to insult or injure or harm because you know what your intention is when you get online to make these comments and do these things. What are you doing it for? And ask yourself that and and, and don't be a dick. I think that is the next book. That's all. Seriously. Listen, <laughs> y'all heard it first. She could thank me later, but oh my goodness. All right. Final questions. When I think about don't let your digital footprint kick you in the butt. I know that you have, you always give takeaway items or next, what the next right step is. Can you share and offer some of that to further pique the interest so that people go out and get, don't let your digital footprint kick you in the butt. That's my favorite part. You know, I think people would want to grab this book to engage with the activities because there are exercises in this Mm -hmm. book and you can kind of figure out what your personal brand is. There is an exercise that takes you through that. There's a whole section on LinkedIn because if you haven't started that process, you know, you need to. And I think high school is not too early for students to even start thinking about setting up their LinkedIn account. And then the the second edition, which is the new launch, has a section for influencers. You know, we talked about the fact that 
breaks my heart, but more students want to be influencers now than astronauts. And I'm just like, <laughs> why? <laughs> It's so 20th century that astronauts, astronauts. as someone who absolutely loves NASA, that just breaks my heart to hear. But there's a section in there for influencers. So there are some tips and uh, advice if that's the road you want to go down. And and I can't front, you know, I I make money (laughs) from brands myself. So, right. This is not micro. This is, this is a macro influencer we have here, y'all. Well, you know, we we won't say macro, but, but I, I, I get a check or two, you know, here every now and again. I, I can't run. So there's definitely, I think, some some real actionable takeaways from the book. I'm, that's just, you know, as an engineer, yeah, I'm problem solution. That's the way my brain works. So you you definitely will be able to pick up this book and take notes in it. There are pages where you can actually write in the book and take notes and really gain some valuable insights for students and for parents. Tell the good folks where they can learn more about you and your work. You can follow me all around the web at Tech Life Steph or visit my website at stephaniehumphrey.com. Love it. Tech Life Steph, my Philly John. Now, you said you're not from Philly, but you live in Philly. So I always get messed up when I call you Philly John, but you feel like a Philly John to me. I received that too. You know okay. what I mean? Like I, I received Philly John. I'm not mad. I, I'm re- I'm originally from Pittsburgh. So, right. you know, it's still PA love, <laughs> but I've been in Philly long enough. I'm a Philly John. That's what's up. All right. I thank you, good sis. And let's keep this conversation going because This is not a one moment in time discussion, but a continual education, particularly at the intersection of business and innovation and technology. You always have your finger on the pulse and looking out for all of us as we move confidently, but safely on the interweb. So I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening to the Tech Intersect podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you love it, please tell the world. If not, go ahead and tell me. And in either case, drop a comment or ping me on social media at IPProfEvans with the hashtag Tech Intersect. And finally, a quick reminder on digital safety. There are a lot of scammers out there impersonating me and others, and I need your help. Now hear this, and remember, I will never slide into your DMs to say peace and blessings or hey, and I will never reach out to solicit your time or your money on social media like ever. I'm not a trader. I am an educator and an attorney licensed in four states. Thank you very much. I'm here to inform, inspire, and empower. No cap and definitely no Forex. So be careful, make good choices. And remember, I developed an entire free masterclass about the topic of digital safety in the crypto space. So check out secureyourcryptobag.com for more information. That's secureyourcryptobag.com. All right, that's all for this episode. Until next time, continue to shine. Hey there, Tech Intersect listeners. 
Have you ever encountered naysayers claiming crypto is too volatile, a total scam, or a hacker's paradise? Well, it's time to dispel these persistent myths and reveal the truth. It's exactly why I wrote Digital Money Demystified, available now wherever books are sold. And this book is your golden ticket from being crypto curious to radiating crypto confidence. Navigate the crypto world with clarity and conquer the chaos. Get your copy today to learn about my journey, separate fact from fiction, and maybe even embark on a transformative journey yourself. Don't stop there. Enhance your learning experience exponentially. Join the DMD Insiders Membership Club. It's a gateway to premier coaching, engaging community, and unparalleled content that complements the insights in the book. Together, we'll unlock the potential of digital money and stride confidently into the future. Visit digitalmoneydemystified.com, grab your guide to the crypto universe, and become an esteemed member of our Insiders Club. Let's decode the digital dollar and invest in your crypto-savvy future right now.